got an objective this evening. The objective, basically, is to share with you how you can become the person you are intended to be, and that in so many ways you already are. My objective is to get you to make some decisions today that will give you immediate benefits. But more importantly, they'll still be giving you benefits 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years down the road. The choices we make are absolutely incredible. Welcome to The Ziegler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and today Tom Ziegler and I cover the topic of what power do we have to make things better in our lives, really, immediately. We listen to a two-minute clip from Tom's dad, Zig Ziegler, where Zig definitely points out how we all understand that there are things that we can do right now to make our lives worse. That's easy. But what we don't often conceptualize near as much is there are things we can also do right now to make our lives significantly better. Zig, of course, tells the concept, explains it in a very compelling way. And from the message, I then asked this question and posted it on Facebook at my Agent K. Miller Facebook page. Your life is what it is today. What is a change you could make pretty quickly that you think would improve your life for the better? Any answer is relevant. Well, we got a great array of questions uh, from things that people espoused were just good habits overall, uh, but more so people who had specific things that they did want to make their lives better, that they knew they could do to make their lives better, but were struggling to actually do. Tom and I shared some of our own issues as well, and we just talked through all the comments. It was a significant conversation. Before we listen to this brief message from Zig to kick off the discussion, I want to thank a sponsor of today's show. Okay, friends, here then is Mr. Zig Ziglar himself to give us a two-minute message that will kick off this discussion. We've got an objective this evening. The objective, basically, is to share with you how you can become the person you are intended to be, and that in so many ways you already are. My objective is to get you to make some decisions today that will give you immediate benefits. But more importantly, they'll still be giving you benefits 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years down the road. The choices we make are absolutely incredible. I'm going to start by asking you four questions. First of all, how many of you honestly and sincerely believe, as a matter of fact, you're totally convinced there's something you can specifically do in the next three weeks? That would make your personal life, your family life, and your business life worse. <laughs> can I see your hand, all right? Then how many of you believe there's something you can do in the next three weeks that would specifically make your personal life, your family life, and your business life better? Can I see your hand, okay? How many of you believe the choice is yours? Okay. How many of you believe every choice has an end result? Okay. Now, let me tell you what you just said, whether you realize it or not. You just said, look, I don't really care about what's happened in my past. I don't even care what my circumstances are at the moment because there's something I can specifically do right now that will make my future either better or worse, and the choice is mine. Folks, that's an awesome 
realization. It eliminates the blame game. It eliminates an awful lot of things because it means you've got a choice. All right, friends, now let's dive into the comments with Tom Ziegler in response again to this question. Your life is what it is today. What is a change you could make pretty quickly that you think would improve your life for the better? Any answer is relevant. Here then we go through the comments. Okay, folks, so as we dive in to the comments that we got on this question, uh, since I got you, Tom Ziegler, talking to me from a hotel in Orlando as you're working with the Inner Circle Group, I'll start off with you, uh, who is always willing to be candid here. What's something, you know the story, that there's always something that we can do to make our lives better uh, as opposed to what we know we could do to make our lives worse. But what's something that you are aware of today in your own life, personal life, that you know I could do this to make myself better, to make my existence better, but you're struggling to make it happen? Oh, that's easy, Kevin. Uh, and uh, the list is actually pretty long, but I'm going to keep it short. We had an amazing uh, podcast. I think it was, was it Tom Rath who wrote Eat, Eat Sleep, Move or yep. something like yep, that? Yep, yep, yep. And he talked about the importance of movement. And so one of my 2018 goals is to get up and move six times a day for five minutes each time. And I have been very diligent at that. And I'm only hitting about 30 to 40% completion rate. Mm -hmm. What When I'm at home uh, in the morning working on my book and other things, it seems like I get them all in. But if I travel or if I got to go into the office, Something always comes in the way. And every time I finish my five minutes, Kevin, it's like my brain is energized. I'm thinking about the next thing. So it is literally not robbing me of five minutes of time. It's actually energizing the next hour, hour and 15 minutes. So I need to do it regardless. It needs to be like my priority. And I'm working into it, getting better but I know it'll change my life because it already has. Ah, oh, man, I, I feel you. And I'll, I'll testify that the thing that I have been prescribed by, uh, Dr. James, who you well know, uh, and our, and our health coach is that I'm doing so many things right, but I'm keeping my adrenaline too high, too much. I need to meditate and there is nothing I would rather do less, uh, than stop and meditate. And I, I am struggling to do that and it would make my life better. It would make my day more productive. Like you talked about, make my life more peaceful and man, I'm struggling to do it. So there we are. We're in the boat with everybody else who commented here. You know, I heard a quote uh, and it said, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I got to testify then Tom, what is stuck with me is what was it? Two weeks ago, you and I were in Nashville sitting around the table of Dan and Joanne Miller for breakfast, my parents, and you talked about your dad Zig and that he did not worry. And then what you added to that, that I had not put together or hadn't heard in that context is it was one of the pieces of him being a, a broken man as under, as under Christ. And that in worrying, and now I'm going to paraphrase because this is how I took it down in my own journaling, that in my worrying, I'm worrying because I think errantly that I am in control. And if I would be as Zig was broken and realized God's in control, I do my best, I put my best foot forward, but he's in control, I would 
worry less. And, uh, you know, that's part of the, for me, meditation needs to be on giving on palms up, opening my hands to the Lord and saying, you've got control. I'll do what I can, but I shouldn't have to worry. You're in control. And man, you, it spoke to me, Tom. Yeah. Well, I love the palms up because when your palms are up, meaning, okay, God, here's my worry. You've made an exchange and you've got a place where he can put the gift that he wants to give you. Mm. And right then it could be just peace of mind or it could be a thought or, uh, you know, a good night's sleep. It could be many things. But if we hang on to the things that we worry about beyond our control, our hands are closed. Mm. Yeah. It's hard to hold the gift. Yeah, dad, dad had a real simple, I mean, he got it so simple as he got into his 60s and 70s. And here it was. Uh, he had a, vib- a vibrant relationship with God. That was his number one priority. And number two is he spoke the truth in love. And what he realized is that if he spoke God's truth in love, and love is the key here for those listening. (laughs) Too many people use truth as a hammer. But Mm -hmm. if he realized that if he spoke the truth in love, then he's done all he can do. It's not a popularity contest. He's not looking for applause or, or, you know, a smile or feedback. It's just now totally up to that person to do with it what they will. And when you get there, you don't worry anymore. Well, there you go. I think we could stop the show there. I don't know if we can get more value than that. But uh, as we will all resonate, I'm going to start going through some of these submissions here. Uh, Jeff, Tom, he said, uh, I need to start spending at least 20 minutes a day planning and organizing my activities for the day. I need to stop going to Starbucks and make my own coffee drinks. It'll save me money that way immediately. And I want to get back to my daily walking, eat better, make healthier food choices, achieve a healthy weight. I need more discipline in these areas. And so all those things, my gosh, I think we can all relate to, um, though I will speak to the first thing he said, I need to start spending at least 20 minutes a day planning and organizing my activities for the day. That intentionality. I mean, Tom, you speak to that a lot. You saw that in Zig, you practice that yourself, uh, would you say that that one right there, getting that, if you'll nail that one, it'll probably make the rest of them that much easier. I have every day in my planner, four goals. And the first goal is called the perfect start. Mm. And I'll tell you this, if I have to pick between which one of the goals I do, it's the perfect start. Because if I get the day started, right, everything else goes. And 20 minutes is fantastic. 15 minutes is fantastic. I tell people, it doesn't matter how long you do it. It matters that you start and you make it a habit. And then you will start to crave it. And the time will expand. Your productivity will go through the roof. And it will be the most blessed, precious time of the day. Well, there you go. Um, Yeah, we all need to hear that. Uh, Steve says, this is one of the shortest submissions we got, but it was to me profound enough. I want to include it. He says, asking others for help. Tom, um, you spend, uh, the majority of your life with other leaders, other influencers, authors, presenters, experts, authorities, uh, people in, in high positions where, well, first off, I'd ask, do, do you find that that is something that leaders specifically have one, do they have problems with that? And two, do they, you know, as part of their success, is that something that they finally learn to employ uh, out of dire necessity? 
you know, I don't, I don't have any like scientific studies to back this up. Um, but all of my research and, and networking and everything, I would say that the, probably the biggest challenge for somebody moving from manager to leader is that right there. And here's the reason if dad said this, if, if you're irreplaceable, you're unpromotable. Hmm. And so as a leader, our job is to develop the people who work for us to the place where they can do our job better than we can. And so really the only way that happens is if you're constantly asking your people for help, Hey, can you do this? Can you do this? And it also goes to friends. I will tell you uh, my word for 2018 is transformation. And I think this is number two on my list. This one thing. I've got Evan, who's our president, Mark Tim, who runs our Ziegler family and our new program with Kevin Harrington. I've got Howard Partridge, who is our inner circle. These men are unbelievable businessmen. Mm -hmm. And I get emails that really they should be handling without any input from me. And I will, Kevin, I've done it like three times in the last three days. I will struggle over writing the email and then I'll do the V8 little pop on my forehead and I'll just forward it to them. I think this is yours. Mm. And, and guess what? All that worry, all that angst, and they handle it better than I could have anyway, because it's in their sweet spot, right? That's yeah. why they're on the team. Well, and that's, you know, and speaking to that, that's something that I think people can hear. And if you're discounting that and going, well, yeah, you know, Tom, you can afford that and you've got business going, there are people that you can bring onto your team, independent contractors, freelancers that you can barter services for, or you can get on the cheap. That's one of the things that Timothy Ferris with his four hour work week became famous for was finding cheap help. Uh, I think there's something we can all do as opposed or, or, or in addition to just asking friends, family, ask for help. And it's, it's been a bane of my existence, Tom. Uh, and I'm, I'm learning every day. I'm learning every day. Well, Jeff here says, uh, consistently go to bed by 9:45 PM every night. Success today begins the night before. And I want to speak to that one because in the past two years, that has been the most beneficial thing to my life. And you talk about transformation, Tom, my wife, uh, I've had other people testify, my wife in particular, and the change in me that she's seen. I'll tell you the number one reason, uh, it's not necessarily just going to bed every night, but it's getting up in the morning and having my time with the Lord and setting my day. But yeah, it began at night. And man, that is hard. I struggled with that for so long. I got little kids uh, that get up early in the morning. And I got older kids who like to be up late at night. And I struggled with that. And now I finally got into the place of going to bed uh, on time so I can get up early. And it took a while before the getting up early was attractive. That time was rich enough to replace the time in the evenings when we generally, that's when we want to uh, just you know take our shoes off, sit back, watch some entertainment, do something mindless. And we feel like, gosh, we've deserved it. I understand that. And I have nights that I still do that, but on average, I have gotten to more desire my time in the morning, but it took a while. So that's my testimony is, man, if, I, if, if that's what you're feeling is like, great, I got to give up something else that I enjoy, which is my evening time and watching something or whatever uh, to get up and do this disciplined thing in the morning. Totally understand you. 
Uh, totally felt that way. It took a while. And now my morning time is so rich, so beneficial, add so much to my life that, uh, the evening time is that much less attractive. So Tom, there's my testimony. <laughs> you made me smile. I can tell you a hundred times when we had family and friends over at the Ziegler house and nine thirty would come and dad would clap his hands, stand up and say, well, I'm going to bed. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to bed. Wow. Wow. And, and it's because the, the morning was precious Yeah, and it was literally for him. It was losing a day of making a difference if he didn't get enough sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, so we're going to keep it. This is like a recurrent theme. Uh, D says, make a daily and weekly commitment to evaluate my actions to discover opportunities for improvement. This will ensure I am headed where I say I want to go instead of drifting where life sends me, which brings us back to that intentional thing, whether it's in the morning, seems like it's the best time, but to plan our day in, in, instead of, as D says, drifting where life sends us. And Tom, I, I, isn't that what happens if we don't plan the day? What's the, you have a saying there, it's you zig, whatever. If you, if we don't plan the day, it plans us something to that degree. Yeah. Yeah. You run the day or the day runs you. There you go. I think uh, Ben Franklin was famous for doing this. Mm. And the crazy thing is he started when he was 20 years old. Mm. And what he did is he wrote down 13 virtues that he wanted to develop in himself. And every month he focused on one virtue. But every night before he went to bed, he would, he would look at all 13 virtues and even put a star anytime he messed up in one of them. Yeah. He turned out pretty good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Our, our, head, our head coach for personal development coaching is David Wright, and this is what he teaches. You plan your day, what the things you're going to do for the day, and then at the end of the day, you just ask yourself two questions. Did I get everything done? And if you didn't, why not? And that's a great little practice and it doesn't take a lot of time to do that. Yeah. Five minutes. You can do that. Well, so in that same frame of reference, uh, Ricky here posts, uh, that he wants to embrace the present moment instead of always looking at what's next or the next adventure. But what caught me in that Tom is embracing the present moment. We have, it seems like nearly every interview that we have here on the Ziegler show, we have these leaders talking about that being in the present and yeah, talk about meditating and just, you know, just prayer time and being in the present. But in regards to the digital world where so seldom are people in the present, we see that they go into the restaurant and instead of noticing the surroundings and the music and the smells of the food and the people sitting across the table, they're on their devices and it's a temptation for all of us. And so this movement that we're hearing more of being in the present, being in the present, notice where you're at. Tom, I have to remember it when I'm up running on my ridge in the glo- you've been up there in the glory of Pikes Peak. And could there be anything more, more postcard worthy, most awe-inspiring and most uh, enthralling? And yet I can so easily be thinking about all the things I need to do at work today. And I have to stop myself and just, just literally and stop it, Kevin, stop, look, look, and Take a deep breath. It's, it's difficult. It goes against our flesh. <laughs> you know, I sent you a video. It's kind of going around right now. It's that idea of being grounded. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, I can't wait till the next time I'm out in 
out in God's nature, I'm going to take my shoes off yeah. and then, and then feel it because there's nothing like being in the present than feeling it. Yeah. Um, and it's hard. I mean, how many, I, I I'm in front of the room at, at events all the time and you can see the eyes in the room, you know, who's engaged and you know, mm-hmm. who's got something going on. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, is when you're not present, you're robbing your presence right then and your future. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That one. Uh, so there is T- Tom sent it to me. We've, we actually w- watched one together, uh, talked about it uh, in Nashville a couple of weeks ago about grounding. And it was just about getting your feet against the, the earth and, you know, the electrical stuff and whatever. I, you can get into that, uh, the details of it. But Tom, after watching that, the last few times that I, since then, where I've been in a hotel, where I've been somewhere, where I'm away from that, a couple times I have at night before I've gone to bed, it just hit my mind. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. I go outside, take my shoes off, put my feet in generally the cold ground uh, these days and just stand a <laughs> couple, couple minutes, couple minutes. Uh, so I'm trying to walk, walk it out. No pun intended. Well, Hey, real quick. I want to just thank some of the sponsors that helped bring our show to us today. Um, well here, this is interesting. Tyson says, remove the stuff from the home office that I have not touched for over 12 months, basically declutter. This would free up the cupboard space, reduce mess on my desk and free my mind from distractions. Man, decluttering is another big buzzword these days because we as a culture have more and more junk, more and more stuff, more and more things and decluttering. So I experienced that last, last Sunday, my wife goes in, I, I guess she was going to get something out of this cupboard. We have a uh, big, big, che- a big cupboard deal in the uh, living room area. It holds all the family games complete wreck. Well, she starts getting into it before long. All of us are over there. The kids are over there and we're going through these games, got rid of half of them, organized the rest of them. And it was like this big sigh of relief that everybody felt. It was so great. And since then there has not been a day that's gone by that they haven't played a game. It's like the thing now it brought it all out again. You know, it made it alive again, but that decluttering, uh, it is whether we're doing that in our mind and being present or doing that with our desk space. It seems to be, again, one of those things that we have run into in this culture of so much stuff and so many needs to declutter. I love it. You know, a tip I heard, and I've done it myself, is you go into your closet because everybody, we got too much stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you go through it and then you're like, okay, well, I can get rid of this. But then there's all the stuff that you're not getting rid of that you haven't worn in years. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. you do is you turn all the coat hangers the other direction. And at the end of the, you, as you take them off, you, you, you put the coat hanger back in the right direction. Yeah. At the end of the year, anything that's still the coat hanger is facing the wrong direction, throw it away or give it away. And so what you're doing is making a commitment today that if I don't wear this in a year, I'm never wearing it again. Yeah. If you have the normal amount of clothes in the U S you will be shocked at how much stuff you haven't worn in a year. Yes. So we talked about that specifically. Actually, it was Greg McEwen. He wrote the book essentialism. Um, I don't know, I have the number in front of me, uh, in front of me. We interviewed him 
probably within the last 20 or 30 shows. And he talked about that as well, about just getting rid of the non-essential stuff. And he literally talked about his, yeah, his clothes going in. And we usually look with a thought of, if I get it right here of, uh, you know, ah, that may be something I might want at some point. And we keep stuff based on that as opposed to going in there and going, I'm only going to keep track or keep the stuff that I say, ah, I love that one. I can't do without that one. I've thought about it ever since then. Still haven't done it. So okay, you just put that. You just put that in my in my mind again. Uh, Tony says I, I want to take time to enjoy something every day, whether it's a, a killer movie or you know meditating on scripture or soft music. But I, I like that, Tom, in regards to, you know, as we talk about these disciplines and going to bed earlier, and I think people can be put off, I can at least, when there's no thought of something fun, something of joy, something to look forward to. I think we all want that, and I don't think anybody uh, feels that that is bad and wrong and that we all need to just, you know, stick to the grindstone at all. But it is, again, being intentional with it. And compartmentalizing it somewhat, making sure that it's not four hours of just uh, draining our brain in front of the boob tube. But um, yeah, having time to enjoy something every day. And Tom, I mean, don't you see that? That most of our most uh, productive people, our most influential people that have success in so many areas generally have those things that they, ah, oh, they just really enjoy. They have fun. They really invest in those things, whether it's a hobby or just something for fun or play even. You know, it's like they relish it. I mean, mm. spending time with your dad, you can just tell as he walks around the sanctuary that he just relishes yeah. some of the things there, right? Yeah. And and that's about being present. That's about knowing that you're in your purpose. And that's about knowing that what you're doing is it's it's amplifying the gifts, talents, and strengths that God's given you. Yeah. And so I love that. And the, and the thing is, whether it's, you know, prayer or meditation or sitting back and listening to some music or enjoying a sunset, uh, we were, oh, Julie, my sister, Julie, who's been on the, on the show, sure. one of her friends, uh, her parents came down from out of town and she said, Hey, let's go watch the sunset. So these, these, this man and woman there in their, their late sixties. Kevin, they had never watched a sunset in their life. Oh, wow. wow. I can't even imagine that. Yeah. Now, Texas, we're lucky because we got amazing sunsets. And you're mm -hmm. in Colorado, so mm -hmm. you can get some unbelievable scenes. Yeah. Uh, but just to know somebody who had never stopped to watch a sunset. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, that reminds me this morning uh, as I was out running got to see the sunrise out here and it's just talk about a magical time. Well, Tom, a lot of these let's end on, I'll do a, do one more question. I didn't get to half of the ones we got and thanks folks for sending these in. But the uh, last one is really such a big piece of all this. Uh, Marvin says, if I could ingre increase my ability to be disciplined, wow, my life would improve exponentially. I am really experienced in the cycle of discipline and self uh, of non-discipline and self-sabotage. So give it, give me your latest thoughts, Tom, on this issue of discipline, because as we're speaking to this audience of tens of thousands of people, they're here listening because they like us are aspiring people 
They wouldn't be here otherwise. They're not here just for entertainment or just to pass the time. They're here to aspire. They have desires to, pro, to, to progress. And yet we all have these areas like we're talking about here where we, we know something we want to do. We know it would be beneficial, but we're not doing it uh, or not doing it to the level we want to. And we think about the word discipline. What are your thoughts on that big banner of discipline and the thoughts of, ah, I just need to be more disciplined. I wish I was more disciplined. My, my first thought is we sabotage ourselves mm-hmm. because we think that discipline means I'm going to work out an hour and a half every day or discipline means that I'm going to go to my desk for four hours. I'm going to get all that work done and then I'm going to go on. Mm. Hey, that's not the way we're wired though. And I love the podcast on essentialism because mm-hmm. we talked about this. If you want discipline is a muscle. And so what you've got to do, is first off, understand that discipline doesn't require you to feel like doing it. (laughs) It's a commitment. We do it whether we feel like it or not. And then pick some habits that are good that you're going to put into play one to five minutes in the beginning, walking for five minutes, reviewing your day for five minutes, whatever it is, and create the habit every day of being disciplined. And then you'll watch the discipline grow. You'll watch it grow. So don't sabotage yourself by saying, well, if, if I can't run the marathon on Saturday and I haven't tr- ever trained in my life, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. That's what most people do. No, no, no. You're going to run the marathon two years from now. Today, you're going to jog to the mailbox. Yeah. And the discipline is we jog to the mailbox and a little bit further every single day. Yes. Thank you, man. I'll tell you the biggest testimony I've seen. And I'm so grateful for is my three older kids, all of, all of which you, you, you've met and know Tom, my three older kids who all saw me as a lifetime athlete. And they had those aspects of trying to start doing something, running, working out, whatever. And said, Oh my gosh, it's just, you know, misery. It's not fun. Uh, and I said, I promise you, if you'll just do it long enough, you know, we talk about 30 days or, or whatever, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to put a timeline, a, a timeline on it, um, different for different folks, but I saw them all stick it out and do it and get to the point to where they enjoyed it. It was really interesting for me because I'm preaching this stuff as a dad, you know, just hoping, I hope, uh, is that really true? I hope that that's true. I hope it works. And they did it. And I saw these three kids and they do it today. They all are. Uh, they work out. They're not all athletes, but they work out. They do something physical and they learn to enjoy it and to appreciate that. It actually ministered to me. It inspired me go, gosh, that stuff really works. That Zig Ziglar stuff really works, man. Um, so <laughs> it was, it was awesome. Tom, man, thank you for taking time out of your event there. It's always a joy to do these shows with you and to, uh, hear you share your heart and your wisdom. Thank you, brother. All right. What a blessing. Thanks, Kevin. Friends, it really is exciting to know we have the power to make our lives better right now, this moment, and then tomorrow. If you got value from this show, please let Tom and I know by leaving a review in iTunes or Stitcher. We need to hear that encouragement as well. Well, coming up in show 537 next, I talk with two business superstars, and I am submitting that you will hear the best sale ever 
on sales. Zig Ziglar has always claimed that we are all in sales. You can't make any forward progress in life in any area unless you can sell someone on yourself first off. And in business, you won't get anywhere without selling your skills, your product, your service, or your idea. You'll never get a date or get married without selling your value to another person. You won't succeed as a parent if you can't sell your kids on making good choices. It's about influence. Well, Mark Tim, one of the guys we bring on here, is a wildly successful businessman with a company that is a top 100 Amazon reseller with over 59,000 products and growing. He's executive vice president of Ziegler Inc. and CEO of Ziegler Family. Well, he's partnered with Kevin Harrington. Yeah, the guy who invented the infomercial and is one of the original four investors on Shark Tank. The guy with a net worth of $450 million. These guys have come together to bring us Zig's message from his foundational book, Secrets of Closing the Sale. Folks, it's an incredible look behind the scenes with these two guys and how they used Zig's teaching to launch them not only into massive business success, but massive success in their lives overall. This one is really a must listen for anybody who's interested in the message of Zig Ziglar. Well, till then, as always, thank you for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.